Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. Most people never stop to think where our food comes from in the first place. Even fewer would know that without bees, we all might very well starve. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, and I'm very pleased to welcome Chris Vasquez, owner and head beekeeper at Heritage Bee Farm. In this episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about Chris, why he got into beekeeping even with a promising corporate career ahead of him, threats to this multi-billion dollar industry, why Chris breeds queen bees for specific traits, and much, much more. Thank you for stopping by today, as my hope you will listen, learn, and connect. Chris Vasquez, owner and head beekeeper at Heritage Bee Farms in Mayaka. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you. It's a great opportunity to spend time with you. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I, you know, I was Chris and I were chatting before I hit record here. Uh, he found out that I was kind of a farm boy growing up on a 500-acre farm in southwest Ohio. So anything that has to do with agriculture, I've always been interested, but I've always been fascinated by some of the, how should we say, alternative livestock, <laughs> like bees. <laughs> and uh so I, I came across, I think I came across Chris on LinkedIn. I thought, oh, this would be cool. I'd love to have him on the show. And so here he is. And we're going to get into all things bees and uh, Heritage Bee Farm. But before we do, my question is, what is one thing most people don't know about Chris? Yeah, well, uh, most people uh, that I run across from day to day um, these days are beekeepers and those in the agriculture community. And so a few of them know that maybe I had a past life in the corporate world uh, where I spent uh, a good 20 plus years uh, as a senior level manager and in uh, responsibilities of operations and always had a fascination with bees. And uh, there was a point in my life where uh, I said, what, you know, let me learn a little bit more about them and had a friend who who kept bees and I kept asking him lots of questions about bees. And I think finally he just got tired of it and, and said, here, why don't I just take over a couple of hives to you and, and you figure the rest out. And so that was how kind of how we, we started. Maybe another thing that uh, some 
may not know is uh, my wife and I have nine children, six uh, girls and three boys. So we have a, a large family and uh, that has been uh, very helpful in our bee adventure. Uh, oh my it, goodness. It requires a lot of hands uh, as uh, we're involved in a lot of different things. Your, your, your cup runneth over as they say. Yes, absolutely. We're very blessed. <laughs> I get, well, I have three and, uh, that was a, that was a handful. So my goodness. Well, where did the actual interest in bees come from? Was there anything in particular that's, that picked your interest way back when? Hey, I just, uh, always found them, uh, really fascinating when you look at, uh, you know, a bee just kind of going in and out of the hive. It's it's just really amazing. You see how they construct their their comb. It's uh, so detailed and uh, very uh, interesting to see when you think about. Uh, they're really the only insect that provides a food product uh, to us, and so and then they provide so many other uh, things that we uh, use, uh, like beeswax and. Uh, other products like pollen and propolis and, and on and on. And so um, that's kind of what piqued my interest. What I didn't realize at the time was the, the beekeeping world has a whole lot of different uh, facets to it um, and uh, didn't really uh, maybe appreciate as much the back then the uh, importance that they play in pollination and all the fruits and vegetables that we get to enjoy on a daily basis. Well, well Chris, that's fascinating. I recently watched a documentary on Netflix or I can't remember where it was, but I was fascinated by the honey market, which most people don't realize is a billion dollar industry. And, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and whatnot. But you tell us from your perspective, what are some things that people would be surprised to know about the industry? Well, I, when I first started out, I thought, a, a lot like many is um, you link bees and honey uh, together and um, honey is definitely a wonderful product and sweetener that we all get to enjoy. But uh, a couple of other things are uh, like the uh, whole uh, thought of pollination. And so one third of all the fruits and vegetables that we get to enjoy when we go to the supermarket are uh, pollinated by honeybees. If we didn't have the honeybees, we would not be able to uh, have the wide selection that we have whenever we walk into our local supermarket. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is maybe what uh, Heritage Bee Farm is a little bit more focused on uh, as part of our business is we are a queen bee provider. And what that means is um. that we, we provide queens for other beekeepers. And that can be from a beekeeper who needs, you know, a backyard beekeeper who needs one or two, uh, or maybe a commercial pollinator who is going to different crops all throughout the country who may need hundreds or thousands. And so uh, queens and um, uh, it, uh, good quality queens are important because they are really the uh, lifeline to the, to the colony. And uh, you need a good producing queen in order to have a good producing uh, colony. You know, that's fascinating because referencing this documentary that I saw, I think it was about a year ago, the almond industry is absolutely dependent upon the bee industry. And I didn't realize, as you mentioned, that colonies can be shipped all around the country to do a particular job and then they're shipped back. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, in California each year, actually, uh, as we're doing this interview now, uh, almond pollination is just wrapping up. Um, but uh, every year, there's about 1 million uh, acres of almonds in California uh, fully uh, require honeybee pollination. And so beekeepers with any significant hives will load up uh, semis full of bees and um, you can fit about 500 colonies on a semi and send them off to California for that pollination where the uh, almond growers are, um, are will pay for that pollination to, to happen because that really uh, is important uh, and is critical to their yield of almonds that they produce. And so um, those that do pollination, uh, they don't usually finish there in, in California. They'll usually uh, then continue traveling to uh, apples in Washington and there's blueberries and really travel and migrate and uh, carry bees from state to state for that pollination to take place. That is incredible. Uh, it, it just kind of, it just blows me away that you can do that. Now, when a group of bees land in a new geographic area, is there, I don't, is there some type of adjustment period or, I mean, how do they find their way around? I mean, yeah. who knew? Yeah. That, that is just one of the uh, other things that always fascinated me with, with bees is just that thought. Um, uh, bees have a, a built-in, uh, you know, GPS that they, uh, when they land in that new location, they will uh, spend a little bit of time flying around their colony. Uh, they'll, they'll leave the hive, fly around it, orientate themselves. A lot of that is done with their location to the sun. They will also pick up on the landmarks and colors that are around them uh, and then begin to go off and forage and, and uh, can come right back uh, to, to their colony and know which one is theirs versus others. That's incredible. One of the things that I found fascinating on your website is how much honey a single bee will produce in their lifetime. What is that? Yeah, that is always an interesting thing that we show to uh, people who come to the farm and we, we do a bee farm experience tour where we can uh, immerse uh, a visitor in bees. And uh, we, we have a little visual that shows a little tiny vial. And I always ask the question, how much uh, honey do you think a bee produces? And, and we'll show different size bottles. Everyone is always surprised that a single bee only produces about one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. Wow. And um, it's it's just a very small amount. So the uh, the way that we get the ability to fill jars of honey is through the population uh, within the colony, which can be upwards of about fifty thousand bees in in a single colony. Interesting, interesting. Is the industry itself? Are people gravitating more and more towards natural sugars? Because I read an article recently where there's a concern, of course, about the artificial sweeteners. So does that bode well for the industry? I think it has. We we definitely saw a significant uptick in that thought uh, during COVID. Um, and I believe that has maintained you know, to an extent uh, maybe there's been uh, a little bit of a fall off, but I think the the thought uh, from consumers of trying to uh, go more natural where they can uh, definitely helps out the honey industry. Well, I know that I certainly am more, the older I get, I notice that the more interested I am in using things that are more organic and natural and whatnot. So that 
It is fascinating. I was just thinking as you were talking about the the uptick during COVID. I guess it's you know, a spoonful of honey helps the medicine go down, I guess is the old song. <laughs> That's right. Well, so the industry seems to be healthy, and I'm sure as other countries are growing wealthy or whatnot, that they, they look out to uh, add honey to their diet. I, th- I think uh, China in particular would be noted. But let's talk about some of the threats to the industry. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier before we got online here, talking about the colony collapse disorder. What is that? Yeah, uh, colony collapse disorder is um, is actually somewhat of a little bit of a mystery. Uh, essentially, what happens is uh, the colony, in some cases, uh, just absconds from the hive and is no longer there. They're there one day, the next day they're gone. Um, other days, uh, due to different uh, reasons, the uh, colony begins to decline until it ultimately uh, dies off. And so that can be for a lot of different reasons. There's still a lot of study going on uh, with that, but the the significant uh, challenge with beekeeping would be due to uh, the varroa mite, which is a, a mite or a parasite that attaches itself to the bee um, wow. and uh, to the larva of bees. As well as we, we have the ongoing challenge of all the pesticides, the fungicides, the herbicides, uh, really a, a cocktail of chemicals that come back into the hive and ultimately can, can cause collapse. What do you think the reason is? I mean, because you're on the front lines. You're not in a laboratory studying the problem. I mean, what, what, what do you think it is? Well, I, I think a lot of it does have to do with, with the all the things that the bees uh, are, are facing uh, when they go out into our environment. Uh, not only are they having to deal with the uh, all the, the the chemicals involved as they forage uh, the flowers and the environment, but uh, also uh, our landscape is changing. We're getting more densely populated, and so the uh, amount of food sources uh, are sometimes uh, narrowed down. Uh, they don't have as much diversity in their the fruit source as they would have maybe in a more natural environment. So uh, I, I think it's a combination of all that that is likely the cause. That's interesting. It, it It's interesting to me because back, I think it was in episode 56, I had a fellow on, his name Scott's Scott's House, Sarasota Green Group, and they are actually developing and they, they are producing um, – organic, well, what's the right term? I guess organic pesticides that can be used in a lot of different uh, industries, including the marijuana industry. So even right up to the end of the harvesting of the plant, uh, you can use these pesticides. Have you used anything like that, I guess, for the benefit of the bees? Uh, actually, uh, we we had uh, uh, three people from Scott's team uh, come visit and have, be on a, a tour with us. And uh, we we enjoyed having them over, and um, and I've used uh, their products, and and I think it's a, a great natural way to to handle uh, some of the the weeds that we have to deal with. You know, we uh, tend to like things well uh, groomed and taken care of in our yards, and so when we can uh, use a more natural organic product, you know, we should be mindful of those things. Absolutely. And, and I th- I think they're they're very good. So so yes, I've used those and and I would recommend them. So you and Scott know each other. I you know this is a small area. It's one of the things I like about it. you can connect with just about anybody. So that's really cool. Well, 
Yeah. The, the other thing that I'm fascinated by is the, is the fact that you can, you can raise genetically diverse and disease tolerant queen bees. How in the world do you crossbreed insects? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a, a fascinating thing that we uh, as a business are uh, getting more and more into as a, a queen bee provider. Uh, the, the queen is essentially the, the, mother bee who's laying all of the eggs uh, that will eventually be uh, worker bees uh, within the hive. And um, it's important that the genetics of that queen, um, the role that they play in the success of the hive. So uh, for example, there are some bees that we see that are more aggressive towards uh, those mites that we were talking about. They yes. will actually go and and clean the mites, and and uh, and we see them picking them out of the cells, uh, taking them out of the hive. And so it's those those kind of bees that we observe the behavior, um, and we take and and say we want to we want to replicate that. So we'll take those queen bees and their offspring. And uh, re use those that offspring to then reproduce to make other queen bees. And so it's a lot of study, not just uh, for the mite uh, problem, but uh, some bees are better at gathering honey. Some bees are better at uh, pollination. Uh, some bees are better at uh, uh, changing their population according to the seasons. And so depending on whether you're a beekeeper up in northern states where there's colder climate or you're a beekeeper in Florida, you might want to have different bees. And so uh, the way that we uh, produce all of our uh, queens and all of our bees is, is with those kinds of things in mind. Oh, my goodness. I mean, bees have different skill sets then, huh? <laughs> they do. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Uh, definitely, uh, I, definitely different traits. Okay, different traits. I guess I guess that's better. Well, I mean, I'm just fascinated by you know by the fact that you can raise diverse bees and whatnot. Is there, I is there an industry that's dedicated to that? I mean, do you send the I don't know samples off to laboratories? Do you have a laboratory yourself? I mean, what's the nitty gritty of how you can produce a um, you know, a queen with a particular trait? Well, it's, I would say it's primarily by observation. Um, you can see the, uh, the uh, traits of a particular hive and use those traits to then reproduce. Now, um, there are things that are specific to the lab. For example, um, most of the honeybees that we keep in the U.S. are European honeybees and would have been, they, they would not have been uh, native to the U.S. And so uh, there are bees that are more aggressive also, like um, sometimes you would hear in the news of uh, Africanized uh, yes. honeybees and, and somebody has been uh, stung and, and, and has potentially died with that. Um, so we don't want uh, any of those kind of genetics, very aggressive genetics in our honeybees. So uh, as a queen producer, what we uh, do is uh, every year we send samples off uh, to uh, the lab up in Gainesville and they test for those 
uh, Africanized genetics. And uh, just to uh, ensure that all that we are reproducing are of the more gentle uh, type of bees. And so, um, yeah, it is, uh, it's just, it's definitely fascinating. There is also, uh, this is not something that we are uh, involved in today, but it's something, a direction that we are going as a business, which is uh, the thought of uh, some bees are actually artificially inseminated. That artificial insemination process is, is very much more controlling the, the uh, genetics that you're producing as a, a queen provider. Interesting. Interesting. My goodness. I mean, who knew? I mean, I knew it was a large industry, a billion dollars. So when money pours into that, you get that type of specialization in the, um, I guess, the science behind it. But that's very, very cool. Well, for you, what's the most gratifying part of raising bees and producing honey and all that sort of jazz? Well, I, I would say um, I started this business uh, it, it, with the purpose of being able to uh, have an occupation that I could do uh, and work every day with my family. So uh, I would say that is the most gratifying part of my day is that each day uh, I go out with uh, uh, with my sons and uh, we work the bees and uh, wonderful spend spend time with uh, with uh, the other part of my family, my daughters, who are so uh, great about building and making so many other products, handmade products, gift products that we uh, have uh, have and sell through our internet business. And um, and then I guess on the bee side is uh, I believe and and have a pretty clear picture of all that uh, that bees do to. Uh, to give us the fruits and vegetables that that we uh, love, and being a part of that, it, it definitely makes me feel like I'm contributing to the overall good of uh, beekeeping and uh, and agriculture in general. And that is neat. That is so neat. Now you also do farm tours, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, we have a uh, tour where is um, any of our uh, customers or visitors will spend an hour and a half uh, with us, and we start out with a small 10-minute uh, little bit uh, lecture on uh, honeybees and the importance of honeybees and uh, get into a bit more detail uh, there. And then from there, we light up the smoker. We get the bee jackets and protection on, and uh, we go out and spend time with, with the bees. And so it's a uh, Everyone always leaves with feeling like the the, the time and money spent uh, to do that was very valuable. I I rarely rarely ever have anyone get stung, but we're de- <laughs> we're dealing with uh, we are dealing with nature, so no guarantees. But uh, we take a lot of precautions to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, like like epipens and anaphylactic shock. <laughs> 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 we, we've not oh, had to uh, use any of that. So yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Now, you recently, I, I think I initially reached out to you a couple months ago, and you were down in the Dominican Republic doing some consulting. What was that about? Yeah, so um, I was uh, approached uh, from uh, a group that was seeking some uh, expertise in the queen breeding pr- uh, process uh, from the Dominican Republic. Uh, the group was called Farmer to Farmer. And uh, they uh, look for experts in the U.S. in different areas of agriculture to go and help you know, local farmers in, in uh, 
developing countries. And so um, our time, my wife and I spent uh, two weeks in uh, Hatabacoa, a beautiful uh, area in the Dominican, met some great people, have some new beekeeping friends, and uh, really spent uh, time with them. They, they're fairly newer beekeepers with about two years under their belt. Interesting. Um, none of those beekeepers are large enough to have beekeeping as an occupation. They almost all have uh, some other kind of job, but there are some aspiring uh, beekeepers that that would love to do it as uh, as an occupation. And so we were trying to, uh, our purpose there was to help them uh, maybe think a little bit differently, uh, think about how they can scale um, and uh, put the processes in place in order to be able to, uh, in order to be able to, to do beekeeping in a large way. Interesting. So, so I assume the honey that would be produced down there would be completely different. Yes, they um, the the vegetation there is, um, you know, in some cases similar to what we would have here in Florida. Uh, however, they also do have a, a lot of other uh, plants. It, it, it's a very green area uh, there in Hatabacoa. It's uh, uh, a mountainous area, uh, very tropical. And uh, the bees just have plenty of food uh, almost year round, not quite year round, but almost year round. And uh, bees are, are very resourceful. So a bee will travel within about a three mile radius and that covers hundreds of acres. And so uh, as they go out and travel, they look for those flowers and get the nectar and pollen. And uh, so they, they are uh, very resourceful and uh, both here as well as in the Dominican uh, generally can find the, the food that they need. One thing I have wondered if it's true or not, and you can tell me, tell our audience, is that if you consume honey from a local area where, of course, it was produced from local plants and whatnot, if you have allergies, that honey can be helpful for those allergies. Is that an old wives' tale or is that true? Well, we we can't make any health claims, but <laughs> I I will say that I have had a lot of customers just uh, I personally don't experience allergies, um, yeah. but I've had a lot of customers uh, say that it it absolutely helps. And so the whole idea behind that is uh, within you know your your local beekeeper honey, uh, there's very very little, if any, filtering that's that's happening. A lot of the honey that you find on the the store in some of the the big name stores uh, has been really microprocessed. It's in some cases been pasteurized, yeah. and so all of the the uh, you still have a, a sweetener, uh, but you all of the good things that are in the honey uh, have been removed. All the enzymes and in a lot of cases yeah. pollen. So in your local beekeeper honey, there are pollens within that honey. So as you take it. Uh, in in essence, uh, just like a lot of other allergies, you're you're slowly desensitizing your body uh, to to those local pollens that are in the area, and uh, so that that's the thought behind it. And uh, and many people, it uh, it does work. But as in all things medical, we need to study more, right? And that what Ab- you always say. Absolutely, that, absolutely. <laughs> Consult your physician. Consult your physician. <laughs> that's right. That's pretty funny. Well, listen, you have a a wonderful 
well-developed website called heritagebees.com, which people can go to find out more. And if they go there, they're going to see that you sell a number of different types of honey, like orange blossom, wildflower, specialty honey. Uh, you talk about the queens in the cells. You talk, you have gift baskets, skincare, hive, hive products. You got bee pollen, pure beeswax, hand poured candles. Man, that's, that's really cool. And a great story about heritage bees. Well, as we wind up here, Chris, where are you taking your business? Where are you taking Heritage Bee Farm? Yeah, we are going to continue to uh, pursue um, the different areas, different kind of, I would say, the legs of our business are, uh, we have one leg, which is our product business, the other leg, which is our our queen and bee business. And so in both of those areas, uh, we're continuing to grow on our product side, the uh, variety of different products that we have um, here in a little over a month or uh, here coming soon, we will have uh, Mother's Day upon us. And and we uh, send out and ship nationwide many, many uh, baskets uh, for uh, Mother's Day and for any holiday, really. Um, and so we're going to continue to produce that. Uh, but one of the specific things that we're doing is to really uh, hone in on our uh, queen production uh, because of the importance of that. And I had briefly mentioned uh, the uh, science behind some of that, like uh, artificially inseminated bees. And those bees can be used Incredible. to produce um, additional uh, hives with very specific genetics. And that is one thing area that we're going to continue to uh, really uh, spend some time on and, and grow in that area and, and really be the the queen bee provider for uh, beekeepers throughout the country. That is fascinating. Well, Chris, I think I may be just as fascinated with the bees as you are. And shame on me for not being out there to take a tour. You're open daily, 830 to 5, closed on Sundays. And you're out at 13339. Is that MJ Road in Mayaka City? That's correct. Just an M and a J. Uh, Bob, I, I still invite you to come on out and spend time with us <laughs> and, and with all of your listeners as well. Oh, that's great. And if you want, if someone wants to call out there, it's 833-233-3276. And that's Heritage Bee Farm. That is great. Chris, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thank you for the opportunity, Bob. I appreciate it. And as always, everyone, thank you for tuning in today. And Chris, I hope to have you back in the future and, and find out about all these be- all these uh, queen bees you're sending around the country. Absolutely. I'd love to. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.